Welcome to the Woodland Heights Baptist Church Sunday Talks podcast. Sunday Talks is a weekly roundtable discussion about theological and cultural topics. For more information and show notes, visit whbcconway.org forward slash Sunday Talks. Here's your host, Pastor Larry Watt. Welcome to this edition of Sunday Talks. Today we're beginning a brand new series that we're calling Baptist Statesmen or Statesmen of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. And I've got, I think, maybe the godfather of, <laughs> of, uh, of uh, Statesmen and, and Brother Don Moore. Uh, in my lifetime, Brother Don, I've watched, uh, really started with, with you early on when I was in high school and college. You were the executive director and other men like you and some that were before you who've just been leaders and, you know, some, sometimes leaders come and go, they're on, the, they're on the scene for a year or two, but all the men that I'm going to interview through this series are men who've been here for decades mm. and who are, I'm 55 and everybody's older than I am that I'm going to interview <laughs> for this, but who've been faithful and consistent and who brought uh, theologically uh, soundness and, and unity, who brought unity and harmony in, in how we work together uh, in our diversity. We're more diverse now as Arkansas Baptist than we've ever been. And then just how we, y'all set the foundation and we're building on that today. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I'm starting with you. And here's the way I define Baptist statesman. I don't know if there's a definition for it, but it's a person who exhibits great wisdom and ability in directing the affairs of the convention and in dealing with important issues pertaining to the churches. So I think you fit in that category. Okay, I, I'm comforted. I thought it just had to do with age. It's not, it's not just about age. It's not just about okay. age. There, there may be one or two that are older than you. I, I'm not asking anybody. No, age, they're so. not. I'm the oldest one. <laughs> well, so a little bit about Brother Don. And this is just this. We're just the tip of the iceberg, but he has been the pastor's conference president uh, many years mm-hmm. back. He served as the president of the convention, which is the role I'm honored to have this year. And then from 82 to 96, I believe where yes. you were the, he was the executive director of the convention. So for me, that was high school, college, uh, off to seminary. And when I came back, you were still the director for a few years after that. Um, but he's been, and most recently been the prayer ambassador for our convention. Right. Really been a, He's been interim pastor in numerous churches and continues to do that. Um, as a pastor, I know you pastored other churches, but, but before you came as executive director, uh, the one you're most known for is to be Pastor Grand Avenue in Fort Smith. Right. And again, uh, just like your thumbprint is on uh, all things all over the convention, it's certainly on that church as well. I know. And um, we had it. We actually had a talk back in November that was part of another mm-hmm. series. And I was just telling Brother Don before we got started that uh, I felt like we didn't finish the conversation. So <laughs> we're continuing that conversation, but focusing more on now uh, just the role at large as the convention and your role as executive director. And so. Um, one of the things that I want to talk about was just some of the issues that you faced, and we, we've talked about some of those uh, and things that you dealt with in your role through about 14, 14 15 years. Thir- 13 and a half years. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Well, uh, let me just say first of all that um, my history so far as uh, Arkansas Baptist State Convention life is a, is a little bit different maybe from some because when I was a kid growing up in the country, 
we didn't know the difference between Missionary Baptist and Southern Baptist and so forth. So one one Sunday we'd have Ben Bridges preaching. He was from the the convention people. Okay. And the next day we'd have Ben Bogard preaching, and he was from the Missionary Baptist. Okay. <laughs> but but early on in my teenage years. The convention started sending out summer field workers mm. into little country churches where I was a member. Yeah. And my goodness, what an impact it had on all of us kids out in the country. Yeah. I counted up the other day, and in that little church at Dayton Baptist Church out from Witcherville, which is out from Greenwood, which is out from Fort Smith, yeah. um, there were, I believe, eight different kids out of my generation that ended up in full-time ministry. Wow. Some were foreign wow. missionaries, some were pastor's wives, mm -hmm. and it was because the convention took an interest in us and mm -hmm. was sending kids out there to help us during the summer. Yeah. We never had a Bible school or anything like that. And, and then we had a student from Washtenaw, uh, Dr. Bill Hickam, who just recently passed away. Mm -hmm. He came, and so all of a sudden, we were tied in with the convention, and mm -hmm. it was such a blessing and has been through all these years. Yeah. Now, as to the situation when I came, there was a, a couple of things that were significant. Number one, Dr. Ashcraft had been in, mm -hmm. in this position, and his big push toward the end of his ministry was to build a new Baptist building downtown. And it was to be three or four stories high, and you you know you were to have offices, and then you were to have uh, parking for all of those office people. Well, that went before the convention, and it failed. Hmm. And shortly after that, Dr. Ashcraft uh, left to go and work in a mission situation. Uh, following him, Dr. Drumwright came. Well, Dr. Drumwright uh, only lived 17 months. He he. Uh, had preached at First Baptist Eldorado, came in and was getting ready for bed, and his wife heard him fall, and he mm. was already gone. Mm. And so there was a leadership vacuum that had been kind of created there, so mm. uh, that was important. The other thing that was taking place was that there was a big push at that time for Southern Baptist College to become a four-year school mm. instead of a two-year school, and so a proposal had gone to the convention in Pine Bluff, and the convention voted it down. So between the leadership vacuum that was there and the crisis that was there, that, those were big. Mm -hmm. Now that's locally. Right. Nationally, SBC-wide, the big issue was the theological controversy. Right, right, okay. right. And, and, you know, we were just talking earlier about that. I've got an article here from 19, I think this is 1987, a year into, well, about five years into your yeah. time here. But that was in, in the height of it during those years. And I was, I, was, I was reading through this uh, edition of the, was it called the News Magazine back then? It was. Okay. So I was, I was reading that, but I was noticing the names and the people and the individuals that I noticed that were really kind of on both sides of that of mm -hmm. the controversy. Mm -hmm. And I saw how you and Jimmy Sheffield and others were, were, your hands were out to everybody and everybody was welcome at the table. And that had to be really difficult. And... But I, I do think we're beneficiaries now of a great unity in Arkansas among most of the churches. Right. Everybody who wants to cooperate certainly has that opportunity. But that had to be hard to, because that, that was so volatile. I mean, I was a student during those years and saw it from that perspective. Well, <laughs> it is hard to imagine how volatile it was because I was elected, I think, because they recognized me as a strong conservative. Yes. So there was never a question about my theological stance as to whether I was strong and, and conservative or not. But if I went to, to drink coffee with one particular p person or persons, right. then they'd think, 
He sold out. Yes. <laughs> I got a call one day and he said, I can't believe you. You've sold out to the fundies, yeah. fundamentalists. Yeah. I said, no. And then he, another call would come and said, well, you have sold out to the moderates. Yeah. And I said, well, let's just kind of be specific, not so general. Right. Tell me what your real beef is. They said, mm. I just don't feel like that you're getting conservative trustees in our agencies and institutions. And I said, well, hold on a minute. Let me pull my file out. Mm-hmm. And so I pulled out the file folder and I started going down to the agency and institutions and the ones that were being recommended. Yeah. And he said, well, I think those are all right. Yeah. <laughs> I said, okay, see, those people represent you right. and there are other people on here that may represent somebody else. So yeah. I'm sure the question comes, well, how did that happen? Yeah. It happened like this. I would just simply say at the beginning of every nominating committee meeting every year, you know that we have extreme people and extreme positions, very, very clear. Right. And I'm asking you to consider the big group of people in this state convention mm-hmm. and find people who are conservative and but but who are not, you know, they don't create hostility. Right. Right. They're not lightning rods. Yes. Yeah. And give us people that are mainline Baptist, mm-hmm. and that's what they did. Yeah. And so it wasn't anything I, I, I did other than just encourage them to do that, and the nominating committees did that. Yeah. So, but, you know, one day you go, go to drink coffee with somebody and you're this or that. So yeah. it was hard. Yes, yeah. Was hard. And, and, and we're dealing with some of the same things today. We'll right. get into some of that in a minute. Okay. The, uh, um, but I, I appreciate where you, where you led the convention. Um, any, any other challenges that you saw during those those well, decade or so. You know, Dr. White, for many, see, I was in here 13 and a half years. I would say 10 out of the 13 and a half years, there was really almost nothing else you could think about. Mm-hmm. That's how consuming yeah. the controversy yeah. was. Yeah. And I think everybody lived with a great hope and expectation if that thing ever resolved itself, mm-hmm. that we, we, we would be back to a spirit of great harmony mm-hmm. and great spiritual blessing. Yeah. And so, you know, there are processes to make changes in agencies and institutions. And so the process is through trusteeships. Mm-hmm. So if the convention will choose conservative trustees over a period of time, you will have completely reworked the convention. Right. right. Well, instead of doing that, all of a sudden people started being fired. Mm-hmm. And of course, when that happened, well, then you had it just hit the fan, as we sometimes yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember somewhere along in there is when the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship was formed mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as an alternative to the SBC way of doing missions. So it was unfortunate that that it became such a uh, um, explosive situation. Yeah. I remember the 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 uh, convention. I think there there were forty eight thousand people in attendance mm. at the Dallas convention. Yeah. 1985 was it somewhere along in there yeah yeah and uh, people were bussed in from mississippi and everywhere so what you see is all of a sudden people want their way and they're willing to stoop to secular political ways Mm -hmm. of accomplishing thing Mm -hmm. accomplishing thing instead of using spiritual ways god never blesses that that's right and ever since all of that kind of stuff we've declined in baptisms we've Mm -hmm. declined in so many ways institutionally hurt. Of course, the spin off of that was we needed to make sure that the SBC explosion didn't 
rupture the Arkansas Baptist State Convention. Right, right. Now, one of the things that was really explosive about it was some agencies and institutions, particularly institutions, voted to separate themselves from the control of the convention. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that came to Arkansas. And the president of Washita at the time was Dr. Elrod, and he was a personal friend. Mm -hmm. I said, Ben, we've been friends a long time. But if you try to do that and pull Washita out of the convention, I'll see you in court. Well, I, I wasn't just popping off. Right. I was sincere right. about it because yeah. I was not going to let Arkansas Baptist yeah. support right. all of a sudden come over to a private corporation. So I thought, now, you probably ought to read the Constitution and the history of Washita before. Yeah. So I did. And Dr. White, I read... <clears throat> And when Washita was established, like in 1888 or something like mm -hmm. that, it was voted in there that the trustees of the Washita Baptist University would all, it was college then, right. would always elect their tr trustees. So they would choose their successors instead of the convention. Wow. I didn't have a leg stand on no. legally. <laughs> <laughs> so the time finally came, you know, that yeah. Washita did vote to separate from the convention in, in this way. Mm -hmm. The convention approves of the people that are recommending for trustees, mm -hmm. but they don't have sole responsibility for right. it. Right. But, you know, in what I've watched with that, and I think, again, it goes back to how you relate to people and how you deal with people, is there has been most of the years a harmony in that. It There's has been. been. been that, uh, people elected the, uh, on the Washington board. Uh, I've been on there a couple of times. I don't know where, where, if that was a failure of the convention or a failure of the uh, Washita, but there was there was this. There's been tensions at times, but there's always been a desire to work together. And right. Really, really. Again, I think it goes back to the groundwork you and others have laid um, in in doing this. Um, uh, you know, there, I was reading this this just an article that you wrote and, and uh, that I get the privilege to do from time to time now and. and uh, uh, the theme of the Sunday school focus that year and just outreach was gather the people, and uh, that I've heard I've heard that rec in recent years I've heard that theme gather the people, and it came out of some of those days of that focus on grouping people together and the hope of revival and those kind of things and and that's always been on your heart. I know that's oh, been yeah. an influence for yeah. you. It's still it's still influences. In fact, you've got a book right here someone just gave you about yeah. revival. Uh, that's played a role in, in everything you've done, and, and I, I appreciate that carryover um, to this day. It's almost the idea of a four-day revival is almost forsaken now by, by most churches, but uh, still that desire to have that, I think that was a major influence that you made. Mm -hmm. Well, um, one of the things that took place following the convention turning down the request to go four-year status for Williams, yeah or Southern Baptist College, the, their trustees voted to de defy the convention, which mm -hmm. threw us into a really big crisis. But at that point, the trustees came and talked to me about ways that they might get into a favorable position to go for your status. And so I was able to give them four suggestions that would mm -hmm. help them to do that. And thankfully it happened. And man, how God has blessed mm -hmm. that world. Oh, just yeah, at, yeah. at, at Washita too. And of course, at that time, there was quite a lot of tension and a little bit of hostility, mm -hmm. competitiveness, because you know, 100% of our monies are budgeted. Right. So if somebody goes to four-year status and they get $100,000 more than 
somebody else has got to right. give it up. Yeah, yeah. So those kinds of things. So at that point, I felt led to start the Interagency Council. Mm -hmm. So every year I had a meeting with all of the heads of the agencies mm -hmm. and institutions and we began to work together in harmony. Now the second part about that is though that the trustees who are elected by the convention represent the convention. Right. But if they become real greedy or selfish about their, their own institution, mm -hmm. they're not representing the convention. They represent that agency. Right. right. So, I thought, now the way to deal with this is to have a new trustee orientation. Mm -hmm. So everybody from all the agencies comes in here and mm -hmm. we talk about the role of trustees. I brought in Dr. James L. Sullivan and others that would, mm -hmm. could give us really good instruction about that. So that the trustees began to understand what everybody else was doing mm -hmm. and appreciate what everybody else was doing. And to me, it has just been amazing to see how these agency heads and leaders and all have have come together it is so strong yeah and you know and that is still such a dr tucker says that to every new group of trustees how how important it is that you come to this orientation yeah. that you get that and it does it lays the groundwork in fact we were even we were talking uh here a couple weeks ago about putting that on the calendar making oh, sure yeah. that we got that early in their process um and and could be something people take for granted. But again, that's again, that's a carryover of, of your time here. Appreciate your leadership in that. You know, something else that we did, Larry, that I think really helped. Um, you know, my high school pastor was attacked over a big fuss they had in the church, and he was going to the bank to to deposit his check, and he was knocked in the head by one of the men of the church. Mm. That was my high school preacher. I went off to university to study agriculture, and I hadn't been there at First Baptist Fayetteville very long until I found out there was a big move to fire Dr. Johnson. Hmm. Well, so I have that bad experience in my background with pastors being treated that way, mm -hmm. and then Dr. Johnson, and after I was called to preach and I transferred <laughs> to Washtenaw, I was called to First Baptist Church in Smackover, and I wasn't there long until I found out there were people trying to get rid of that pastor. Mm. And I began to blink my eyes like a toad frog in a hailstorm and say, <laughs> God, you really want me to be a preacher yeah. when I see what's happening? Right. Now, all of that to say, there is something deep and big and strong in me about peace and harmony in a church. Yes, yeah. I'm not going to compromise on doctrine, but I can mm -hmm. tell you I'll give up nearly anything to help people to get along in a church. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I did a survey just on my own and... Uh, I surveyed the deacon chairman, Sunday school director, and pastor. And the questions I asked had to do with this question. Has your church experienced serious conflict within the last 10 years? 57% mm. of all the churches wow. said they had. Wow. So I thought, I must do something. So there were two or three things I did. First of all, I brought in a guy who could teach us third-party mediation. Mm which was our first programmatic way of addressing conflict in mm -hmm. the churches. Later on, we came to do the intentional interim mm -hmm. to try to do the same thing, you know. The other thing we started doing was doing what we call fellowship visits. Hmm. At that time, there were almost 1,300 churches in Arkansas. And I don't know, there may have been 70 of us that were on the staff at the time. And so we said now you know you're going to go to Poconos to do something but on the way you're going to pass through Alicia or you're going to pass through some other little place stop and say hi to the preacher 
Yeah. Okay, so we gave ourselves three years. In three years, we had contacted almost 1,000 pastors. I mean, I remember going out to a cemetery where a pastor was working as a groundskeeper. Mm-hmm. I remember going to, to uh, mechanic shops mm-hmm. where a bivocational pastor was working. But to see them, to let right. them know they were important, yeah. and recognized, yeah. and appreciated. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And so after the three years were over, I said, well, we'll, we'll, we'll just quit this now. Mm-hmm. We hadn't quit it long until Glennon Glenn Grover spoke up in mm-hmm. staff meeting and he said, Brother Don, I really miss those fellowship visits. Could we start back visiting all these yeah, pastors? Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> so we started doing that too. And I think that was a big help. Those are some of the, the ways that we tried to deal with uh, the fellowship issues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that I really loved, and, and we didn't continue to do that, um, I think Dr. Drumright had it in his heart but he died before he was able to. So I went ahead with, with the first one. It was called the Pastor's Retreat. We mm, headed out to yes, Camp yeah. yeah, I went out. I Did was you? Out, yes, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Well, there's some side stories I could tell you to that one. I don't know if we'll have time for that or not. But, uh, okay. Anyway, those were just things to minister to the pastors and to encourage them and help them. And, and you know, those are just things. That, you know, I, I, will, I won't go deep into this, but, but I was right out of seminary pastoring at Owensville, which is not far from Camp Perrin. Uh-huh. You know, Owensville's out. You know, there's not much around Owensville besides a lot of wood, wooded areas. And I felt very lonely. And I remember to this day, it was probably, it was early 90s when that uh, 93, 94, it was one of those two years, I'm pretty sure, that uh, we had the retreat out at Camp Parent. Uh-huh. It was excellent. Dr. Richard Owen Roberts was the yes, speaker. Yes, yes. And, uh, in fact, I use it as an illustration almost every year the conversation I had with him on the grounds about about the struggles I was having as a young pastor, and he said, the answer to every one of your problems is in the sovereignty of God and the goodness yeah. and the nature of God. So that that stuck with me mm-hmm. 30 years, but mm-hmm. th- those, and I miss those, I really do. I know that's hard to orchestrate for a whole state convention, but those are really powerful, right. particularly for a young pastor to spend well, You time. know, uh, also when we had pastors move in from other states, Mm-hmm. Uh, we hosted a new pastor uh, mm-hmm. orientation, we called it. And so I would have the pastors in the Baptist building meeting with them and mm-hmm. letting them meet all of the department heads. And my wife would take all the wives out to our house. Yeah. And she had a nice fellowship time with yeah. the wives out there. And I've had people from Texas, and Mississippi, Alabama, and everywhere say they never had anything like that right. done for anybody right. else. Yeah. So those are just things that... Uh, looking back over it, I guess without really realizing it, that the main thrust that seemed to be what God was moving me toward was relationships, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they were good and blessed, and I wouldn't take anything in the world. For Absolutely, the privilege. Absolutely, and and, and those you, you just you serve and you lead out of who you are, and yeah. and so that that's that's your personality, and I see how, how God used that. Um, any other highlights or things that you take from those years that, that uh Okay, uh, yeah, I'd like to mention, of course, uh, the highlights. You know, this was ahead of um, a lot of things that are being done now by prayer, but we started a statewide prayer emphasis way back then. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of about the same time that Dr. Blackaby came through with his yes, experience in yeah. God and those kinds of things. And Jimmy Sheffield was the head headed that up, mm-hmm. and we uh, tried to develop that. We had Glenn Shepherd from the uh, Home Mission Board 
he came, he spoke on revival, and Dr. Black had moved ahead several times. That, that, those were good, good days. Mm. In connection with that, I wouldn't take anything from my experiences with the Baptist building people mm -hmm. because I said to them, if you will meet me at six o'clock on a certain day of the week, I guess it was Monday, uh, I will lead us to experiencing God. Mm. A, a bunch of people came. Mm. The next time I said, well, we're through with this. If you would like to continue, I will lead us through the mind of Christ, which is yeah, Dr. Hunt's Dr. Hunt, yeah. So we went all the way through that. We went, um, mm. what was the next one that uh, Dr. Blackaby did on refreshing or something uh, like that? A fresh encounter. A fresh encounter. Yeah. And so those early morning times that people voluntarily came and wow. we shared together, you know, that bonds you spiritually. Yes. It's not yeah. just that we worked on the same team. We were bonded spiritually. Right, right. So right. That, that was good. A uh, couple of things that really important as far as outside experiences. Um, I, I had a burden that we, uh, you know, I'd read about the Home Mission Board commissioning services mm -hmm. and I'd attended some of those at seminaries. and play. I thought, why can't Arkansas have a, a commissioning service mm -hmm. for the International Mission Board. So we rented the convention center mm -hmm. and brought them in here and we just had the best time. Yeah. And several people out of our churches surrendered for the ministry mm -hmm. and have already gone to the foreign mission field. Yeah. Yeah. Gary, Gary, I can't think of his last name right now, from up at Paragool, he and his mm -hmm. wife surrendered that night and within six months they were on the mission field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So God really touched a lot of people yeah. through that. Another thing that we were privileged to do is to host a Billy Graham crusade yes, during yeah. that period of time. Um, we also completed um, the, the chapel out at Camp Perrin. That was not mm -hmm. finished mm -hmm. when I came in. We finished that. And then we built a guest house out at Camp Perrin. Yes. Now the reason is I had had the president of the Southern Baptist Convention for um, that pastor's meeting, I mm -hmm. think. And I had to put him in one of those dormitories with all those <laughs> snoring preachers. <laughs> That's so, a memory I have from that retreat as well. <laughs> so I said, we need a guest house. Yeah, and it's and, nice. And so yeah. we were able to do that. And then later on, of course, the Lord touched my heart through Siloam Springs Camp. Mm -hmm. And it had, Siloam Springs Camp had started in 1927, 8 or 9, somewhere along in there. And they had had their worship center under those that tabernacle mm -hmm. that was made out of oak tree trunks, mm -hmm. just you know standing yeah. out there. Yeah. And they'd done everything they could to make it acceptable. They put uh, garage doors around it right. so they could air condition. But it was it was dreadful. Yeah. And so the Lord made it possible for us to build the new worship mm -hmm. center there. And then Mrs. Jones that had helped us with that center, uh, asked her if she would help us with the building of the children's camp mm -hmm. um, worship center and so she helped us with that as well yeah. so so far as facilities those are the the big mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. that uh, that I, I think are highlights mm -hmm. now we were able to uh, see we came up on the 150th anniversary of the convention while I was still in office and mm -hmm. so we put put that all together the celebration of that yeah another thing yeah. this is terrible there no it's great it's while we're here brother yeah. uh, what happened in 1776 well, that was a revolutionary time for <laughs> and us. And so yeah. in 1976, yeah. what do you think we were doing? Yeah. Celebrating. Celebrating. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we became a, a big part of that. In fact, Dr. Herring said he wouldn't take the chairmanship if I wouldn't help him. So I agreed mm -hmm. to help him. And we brought in Angel Martinez and uh, several other renowned 
sports preachers, mm-hmm. and we had a big rally out at War Memorial Stadium wow. celebrating wow. life and liberty. Yeah. And we had a replica of the Liberty Bell on the back of a truck, and it traveled all over Arkansas oh, celebrating wow. yeah. life and liberty. Wow. Man, neat. I'm talking to you. No, much. no. That, <laughs> hey, this, this is why we have these conversations, and I, you know, so, so again, I think so much of what you know, the generation that's coming behind me doesn't know these stories, doesn't know that some of the history of where we are today, we, we, might take, we might take for granted the harmony we have, the theological soundness we have. Um, you know, we, we, might, we might forget that, hey, there were some brothers who, laid, who did some hard work, mm-hmm. who fought some battles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were, there were certainly some battles that you're probably not sharing with us that, that you hopefully don't want to have to remember but that to hold us to the to the integrity of scriptures, inerrancy of scriptures, um, things that we don't uh, uh, even even think about today, as far as being a, a controversy, we have a great majority who agree yeah. theologically, and it's just it's a blessing to inherit that. We want to keep that going. We don't want to. Yes, sir. We don't want to lose that. Absolutely. Um, what are some What are some challenges? And we'll kind of wrap up here in a few moments. But some challenges that we're really facing. You think we face today as we look forward into the next 10 years or so? Well, I, th- I think we are back in the position of facing a fellowship crisis. Mm. And I really hate that. It seems like the time in history is such that we need to be at our very best. Mm-hmm. I mean, the world needs us. People need us. Culture needs us. We ought to be at our very best, and we still have people wanting to be at each other's throats. Yeah. I hate that so bad. You see... Uh, before it was a fight over the Bible, yes. And the fight that's going on now is partly doctrinal because it has to do with Reformed theology, right? But the it's not all of that. Uh, some of it has to do with cultural issues, yes. And I'm telling you, when you get on this gender identification, mm-hmm. CRT, and those, man, it's it's explosive. Yes. And I mean, the people that you may know as the finest Christian you ever met, if you get crossways on those issues, right, it just hits a fan again. Yeah. So those are things that we're, that the church is having to deal with today, cultural issues and mm-hmm. some doctrinal issues. Mm-hmm. My old preacher that I started out ministering with, and by the way, in September, I will have been in ministry 70 years. 70 years. In 1952, wow. I was called to First Baptist Church Smackover. I've been in ministry ever since then. Yeah. But my old preacher used to say when I would get discouraged and think, well, I'm about ready to throw in the towel. And he had a deep voice and he'd say, now, Dawn, <laughs> you just need to sit steady in the boat. <laughs> How many times yeah, I've replayed yeah, that? Yeah, sit steady. That's a great word, <laughs> sit steady so, in the boat. Yes. So anyway, uh, that's where we are. Yeah. We need yeah. to sit steady in the boat. Yes. But yeah. the other thing is, we need to cry out to God. Yes. We don't need some kind of a new way of doing things, new mm. programs, new, mm. you know, things. We need the power of God. Yeah, yeah. The reason the Roman Empire had to pay attention to the church was power. Yes, yes. And our culture ignores us because they don't see power. Yes. So, here I go. And that goes back to prayer. It yeah. goes back to prayer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And man, I can't wait for this August pastor's prayer gathering. Yes, we're we are going to do that, and I'm I'm looking forward to that. It's it's um, and to see our churches and, and Caleb who who does the video for us here has been a big part of our prayer gathering. We Good. have a church, and you know, just like you said earlier, I, I get discouraged at times. There'll be a handful there, and I think you know, 
Maybe we should do something else. And then last night we just had a great service and, and still not great numbers of people, but it's new people there. And, and we just go through the answered prayers and you see people's faith getting built mm -hmm. up when you hear about somebody went and witnessed to somebody else and then they started praying for their salvation. Yeah. You see people coming to faith and and uh, God still uses that. That's that's a constant. Um, and I hear more and more men that, you know, as you are, that have been at this a long time, and it, as we get to the to the latter years of this, we look back and say, "That's the one thing that mm -hmm. that I, I wish I'd done more of." Oh yeah, that was the answer to, to every all of my problems. Yeah. All of our problems are spiritual problems, and prayers the answer to mm -hmm. that. And yet, I know that, and I don't do that the way I ought to. And it's just so easy for us to resort to human means to yes. try to accomplish stuff that yeah. only God can accomplish. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Well, He's done a great work through your life, and I'm glad that. I've gotten to see it for many years, but looking forward to what God's got for you in the future. And hey, I'm excited about that. I'm excited about it, too. Yes, it's going sir. to be about prayer. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. And um, I have five associations I'm working with right now that we're having prayer events. So mm -hmm. I, I believe that'll be the first stage of revival and awakening is mm -hmm. the awakening to prayer. Yes. And then later on, things will break loose. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I'm planning on that. I hope it comes before I leave out of here yes sir yes sir I, I, and I hope I hope I hope that, that, that it comes soon but you get to stay a long time and enjoy it so. <laughs> yeah I hope so yeah. too well I appreciate your time brother Donnie this is this is one of my highlights to get to be able to do this and I know our people are going to enjoy this could I ask you to pray for our Ooh, church yeah, and yeah. for those that are watching yep. as we close out our yeah time. Lord thank you so much for Dr. White and for all that you have invested in him and your investment seems to be paying off really good, Lord. I thank you for the way you're using him to encourage people, to touch people. And I just ask you to bless Woodland Heights. Thank you for every believer there. I pray that you will bless those that are committed to praying. May their efforts result in such obvious and apparent touch from heaven that everybody will be encouraged. And then it'll spread from Woodland Heights to another church, to another, to mm -hmm. another, to another, Lord. You are such a great God, and I love the way you have impacted us through others and the way we can impact others as well. And I just pray that you'll use Larry and the Woodland Heights influence to be a mighty force for, for you, for the gospel, and for the salvation of souls. And Lord, when I think about all the things that we can pray about, mm, somebody obviously prayed for all of mm -hmm. us who are saved. And we have the feeling that there may be a lot of lost people out there today that nobody's praying for. Mm -hmm. Would you put that on our hearts? Yes. And would you please touch us as we make final plans for the pastor's prayer gathering that that August meeting will be visited by heaven, mm -hmm. that we will see your and sense your glory, and that we will experience you anointing mm -hmm. for the days ahead. Thank you, Lord, for this privilege. Bless everyone watching. We ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. Amen.